activate the view screen and turn on your universal translators because it is time for another Galactic Netcast. Brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash galacticnetcasts. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. The time traveling robots and space podcast starts now. It is Thursday, December 12th, 2013. Welcome to yet another fantastic galactic netcast. This is the time traveling robots in space number 72 from Waterloo, Iowa. I'm Dave Nelson. Filling in for Mr. Paul Swickard is Brad Ludwig from Wausau, Wisconsin, and from the Alien Invasion podcast. And coming to us from Denton, Texas, it is Ms. Anessa Moyens. How are you guys doing? I is tired. How are you? Yeah, uh, just to put that into context, uh, we just got done with a monster-length uh, Alien Invasion podcast. So Sorry. Uh, it's, no, it's not your fault at all. We were having <laughs> fun. And Anessa had a long day. She had computer issues, so that's why she's tired. And, um, but hey, I don't think I'm used to being back at work. <laughs> <laughs> don't you, uh, don't you have a, uh, some vacation, like a, a long break coming up? I, I do have a long break, but we had an unexpected break since like oh, that, last all, Thursday. Yeah, all that ice, right? Because we were covered in ice. Yeah. And Denton and TechStot didn't really do anything until well after the fact. Jeez. Okay. Like way after the fact. Well, so that's what things ha- had kind of been sitting there for a couple of days at 16 degrees and nice and hard because it was sleeting a lot Thursday night and it was loud and it went like all night long. So, because I have this sign outside my window and it was just like beating this sign. And poor Brad, <laughs> he's like, "What's that noise? <laughs> it's sleep. It's cool." In wow. in the interest of disclosure, at night, we actually <laughs> uh, call each other through Google Voice, through our you know basically through our Wi-Fi, so it costs nothing. And uh, oh, you can hear everything, right? You can. That's like crystal clear. That's like Skype. You can hear oh, everything yeah. on Skype. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, so we talk to each other while we're falling asleep, and then the oh. nice thing about the nice thing about Google Voice is that if you use that, it hangs up in three hours. Yep, it doesn't so, like run all night, so you don't have to hear the other person's alarm going off and at like six o'clock in the oh, morning. Oh, you guys or are if they just, snore or whatever. You guys are the. <laughs> you only have to deal with it for a few hours. You guys are the <laughs> sweetest. You know what? You guys, you guys are the definition of sweet right there. We're adorable. I yes, know. Yes, you are. <laughs> all right, so let's get on with this show. This is the podcast where we discuss all things associated with time travel, robots, and space in science fiction and science fact. And you know what? Pretty soon, uh, before we get any further into the actual show itself, uh, I said this on the Alien Invasion podcast. I'm going to say it now. I am moving to Canada. I'm going to be there for vacation or for Christmas vacation. Back here for a week, and then moving, then actually moving to the Canada, to the country of Canada. So I will be with my sweetheart. So I will beat your sweetness 
and raise you sweetness. So there. That's all right. I'm going to bring it in May. <laughs> it's, like comp- it's like competing long-distance couples. Brad, are you there? You're, 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 uh... He's giving oh. this look. Okay. <laughs> it's just, he's like, well, really? One, I'm kind of pondering the competition, and two, uh, I just wanted to see my Max uh, picture from Sam and Max uh, holding his big 357 gun. Uh, I forgot that that was behind me. Oh, oh, that's why you're <laughs> you're creaking your neck like that. A little bit. First, it was a question of what the hell are they doing, and then it was oh, I've got Max behind me. I forgot all about that. So, if you're not watching us live or watching the video later on YouTube, that's what you're missing right there. By the way, uh, YouTube.com/slash/GalacticNetcast. You can watch us there, and you can see my picture of Max from Sam and Max Freelance Police that my friend. Clay Holman actually made for me doing uh, airbrush, essentially, with tester spray paint. Oh, cool. Okay. Now we know the history, the story behind that picture. There you go. And now I'm going to cover Max up again. Okay. So back to what I was saying about the podcast. Uh, We talk about time travel. We talk about robots in space. In all their forms, science fiction, science fact, whatever, TV, movie, video games, comic books, you name it. And we do it by running down a new story from each topic. We discuss our related entertainment picks and ask and answer the question of the week. Uh, For the audio subscribers, like I said before, you can watch us on YouTube later on or live at galacticnetcast.com slash live when we do the show, which will be another month before we're back again. Unfortunately, (laughs) Um, before we get started, uh, we want to ask you to do something for us. Uh, We would like you to nominate the time traveling robots in space and all the other galactic netcasts for the 2013 Stitcher Awards. And you can do this by going to stitcher.promotw.com. There's no www. It's just stitcher.promotw.com. Dot com and nominate uh, the time traveling robots in space, alien invasion, or the uh, sci fi film school for a Stitcher award. That would be awesome of you. All right, you guys ready? Maybe. Absolutely. Okay, let's launch this sucker. Okay, Brad, you got time travel this time. I really enjoy this story, and I actually uh, found a visual that we'll uh, take a look at in just a little bit here. Uh, My story is about, you know, when I think about time travel, I think of physics. When I think of physics, I think of Professor Stephen Hawking. Of course. Uh, Professor Hawking tries to prove time travel by sending out invitations for a party four years ago. Whoa. So, That's so, clever. so, because so, you don't want to send it ahead of time. Well, exactly. Show. Exactly. And that was the that was his whole purpose of this. Uh, a Stephen Hawking fan hopes to prove time travel is possible by sending out invitations to a party held by the physicist four years ago. Uh, Professor Hawking staged the event for time travelers on June twenty eighth, two thousand nine but did not publicize it until four years later. His theory was that anyone who turned up must have read about the party in the future. 
Huh. Although no one attended the <laughs> do. Well, I guess that proves that. Damn it. Uh, poster designer Peter Dean, 39, is now printing invitations to the historic party in the hope they will attract future generations of time travelers. Wait a second. We got a drop for that. Hang on. You said party, right? Yes, I did say party. Oh, no. I don't have it on this soundboard. Shoot. <gasps> Hang on. For shame. Can you guys hang on for a second? Absolutely. All right. Hopefully uh, our listeners have can. A okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop. Stop <laughs> that. Well, let's let the professionals take care of it. All right. All right. Yeah, that's. I'll make the pouty face for you. Okay. <laughs> all right. Here, all right. Here we go. No, wait a second. There's going to be an ad here. So uh, cover your ears for a second. There's Yeah, you can buy ten of them. Wow. Okay. All right. Did somebody say party? Yes. I said party. I think we'll have a party now. Let's have a party. It's great when you get started out. We'll throw our heads back and say party, party, party. Okay. <laughs> okay. The angry whopper is hey, back. Holy cow. Oh, the angry whopper is angry. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and it is angry, but very tasty. <laughs> okay. I totally threw it. <laughs> so, back to the story. I totally yes, threw it in that. Party. Go ahead. So, let's get back to this. Poster designer, Peter Dean, 39, is now printing invitations to the historic party in the hope that they will attract future generations of time travelers. They have been endorsed by Professor Hawking, who said, I am hoping copies of it in one form or another will survive for many thousands of years. Maybe one day someone living in the future will find the information and use a wormhole time machine to come back to my party, proving that time travel will one day be possible. So, okay, if, if somebody does attend the party who gets it in the future, mm-hmm. will he all of a sudden remember that somebody was at his party? I guess it kind of I kind of wondered how that would work. Yeah. You would think that they would have already been there. Yeah, you'd think so, yeah. Huh. But if it hasn't happened yet, as far as the invitations go. Or if there is a cataclysm in the future that, one, either destroys all organic matter, two... Uh, paper is outlawed, and all paper must be recycled, and if you don't recycle it, you are killed. Uh, three, uh, the machines take over and, and kill all the humans so that uh, they can't travel in time, and no robot would be interested in going to a party. Duh. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the only three scenarios I can come up with. So let me finish the story. Okay. Uh, Londoner Peter, who met a brief history of time author last week, said the whole experiment depends on future time travelers seeing this poster. Uh, Professor Hawking is a world-famous physicist, but he is not a great poster designer. I spent an hour with him last week, and he was smiling a lot and asked for a copy, so I think he is pleased with it. Peter made 100 copies of the limited edition posters, with each coming uh, with a signed certificate of authenticity by Professor Hawking, and details about the experiment. Uh, the prints cost around 168 pounds each and are available to buy on www.kite.com. 
kiteprint.com, and I actually jumped to kiteprint.com so I can share what this looks like. Cool. It's got that old-timey cool. feel to it. It does have an old-timey feel to it, which is kind of interesting. I also, uh, they made a uh, reverse Beatles? version of this, oh. uh, which is black with white lettering. That's for the people in the alternate universe. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, and this the, says here that it's a hundred pounds. I wonder what the conversion rate is. Um. Well, what I'm thinking is one version is one sixty-eight, and the other one is a cheaper version at the hundred pounds. Uh, one probably doesn't have the certificate. And of course, um, if they're coming. I, if they're coming from the future, then oh, our the value of money will be going up or going down. A dollar will or there'll be a different exchange rate in the future. So maybe that's why there's a discrepancy. Maybe, yeah. No, I actually came across this website um, probably a couple months ago or so, but not for this reason. Uh, one of my coworkers had come across a video about. Um, a recreation of a poster that was behind John Lennon. And he had said that that poster was like uh, part of the inspiration for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Band, like that album. And um, he basically went and got people to help him out to create, to recreate this poster. And it wasn't, you know, just like straight up print. They actually made all the lettering and, and imagery and like stamped it on paper like they did back in the day. And the process is actually really interesting. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe they did something similar for this. Like it's more of a stamp letterpress versus actually coming out of a printer um, for this one. But I, I did come across it and completely forgot about it until I happened upon this story yeah. and I was like oh that's really cool yeah I, guess I actually want both posters but I don't want to spend that much money on them so. yeah I guess something like that would cost more if all yeah. that you know time yeah. and effort and because it's not just I went into like these design programs to do this it's like straight up by hand and I assume or I'm guessing it's a very similar process for the Stephen Hawking poster as well so and it gives each one of them like their unique they're all unique. <laughs> yes. Actually, I would think that just to... Uh, <clears throat> I would... I think this is done digitally. Oh, I think it was. It? I think it was done... Well... That one might have been done digitally. I think it was designed digitally and then... Probably like Actually printed with an ink printer. Mm -hmm. Like an mm -hmm. actual, you know... Print run that you printer that you would use for printing posters or books or whatever. Right, because I know for the other poster printing they straight press. up did the blocks and then you had this press that they just sure. Boom. Boom. So, I was I was like thinking, an old Gutenberg boom. press. I was thinking that yes, I had that same sound in my head, Anessa. <laughs> I just boom. boom. That seemed like the appropriate sound. Yes, it is. <laughs> or kaplow. No, that's not right. No, I like the. Yeah. Oh, and here's the limited edition version I was telling you about that is black with white lettering. I really like the look of this. Yeah, I really dig it. I would like that poster. <laughs> well, well, anybody really theoretically could print it out and make their own, you know. Yeah, but... And it is sold out. <laughs> of course it is. <clears throat> 
Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Cool. That's awesome. Oh, there's the other poster that I was telling you guys about. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Let's describe it for the audio. Here is the actual original. This is the invitation. The open edition version of the invitation. It's it's yellow. Which is 40... it's it's yellow. It's got black lettering. I'm just describing it for the for the audio people. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you you really need to, to take a look at uh, kiteprint.com is where you could actually uh, find this uh, poster and the invitations. Or if you're checking out the uh, the video, you can see this. But yeah, it's very much an old time. Uh, you know, turn of the uh, boy, turn of the 18th century, 19th century uh, type of a, a feel. Uh, to the lettering, and uh, you know, when you think time travel, you'd think you want to do something that has this kind of a feel to it. Because it's timeless, really. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, it, you, it really is. You don't want something more like modern, because who knows yeah. that that look may get dated real quick. If you and, go to kiteprint.com, like the main page, they have images of Stephen Hawking with this poster. Yes. Um. And they have close-ups of the print, and I'm kind of wondering if it wasn't actually stamped, just looking at the little breaks and stuff in the font, or maybe they did do that digitally too, but it just... Well, looking at all these different versions with the the (laughs) version that's reversed and that, the break in the G is the same on all of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and to really to typeset something like this and try to do it like that, uh, you, you'd yeah. be hard pressed to find materials to still do that. Yeah, coming um, from coming from an expert because you were sort of in that field for a while, right, Brad? Well, uh, sort of. Well, I, I was a sign maker, and uh, actually in high school I, I took printing and publishing. Okay. Um, so I did a, a bit of press work. It says it's letterpress print on in black ink. So what is letterpress? Letterpress. Print? That may be a real thing. I mean, that might be like old-fashioned-y. Because that was... I only mention it because with the other poster, that was their process was actually creating. And it might have just been a flaw in the lettering, and they just... It kind of... You know what? I'm an ass. I am completely well, we 100% knew that. wrong. We kind of L- knew that. L- yeah. <laughs> so... Really? No. Okay. okay. <laughs> Whatever. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, here it is. Letterpress printing. I'm on Wikipedia. Uh, but no, it is, It is. you know, setting a whole, your blocks of, uh, of material to be printed. Um, yeah, I am 100% wrong. So who says, who, who, who says that printing the old-fashioned way is going the way of the dinosaur. I say it lives strong in novelty. It should times. live strong. It's it's got it's it's got character. Yeah, exactly. I'm choking back the word hipster right now. Anyways, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there you go. Um, I was a fan of printing. I was I was a fan. Of, I was a fan of printing presses before it before was cool. Before it was cool, yeah. Or letterpress. Letterpress. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, Brad, anything more on this story? You want to add uh, to it? No, there's also a you can check it out. There's also a video of the party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so lonely. 
Uh, yeah, hang on. All right, I, uh, once again, here I am. So, hey, so, so, but so yeah, he, for he, video, he had here's... he had the party. He videotaped it, but didn't send out the invitation until years later. Right. Okay. Do you want to make sure make sure I'm clear on this? Yeah, it's it's very interesting, and he talks a little bit about, you know. I did this thing. Here's the twist. I held a party, didn't advertise it at all, and it was four years ago <laughs> to try to true, uh, prove uh, things about time travel. I'm surprised so. that nobody's done that yet or did did that before because it, it's, you know, it seems like something that seems pretty logical. It, it, it does. Kind of, I think it falls under the it's so simple, it's brilliant category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. All right. Thank you. That was a great story to start the show with. Before we continue, let's talk about ways that you can get a hold of us. Because we're going to be off for a month, about a month. Um, So that leaves you plenty of time to uh, leave us some feedback. Go back, listen to old shows. Maybe bring up a topic that we totally forgot about. And uh, maybe we can uh, bring it up on the show again. Rehash the conversation. And uh, you can send us an email, galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. That, again, that's galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. The number to call, voicemail number, text number is 805-328-3966, 805-328-3966. And don't forget, you can uh, follow us on all the major social networks. We're talking Twitter, we're talking Facebook, and Google+. Plus. Just search Galactic Netcasts and you will find us. So uh, let us know what you think of the shows or let us know what you think we should be talking about. Speaking of that, we have a survey, a kind of end of the year, coming new year survey uh, to help the network become stronger, better, faster, just like the $6 million man. We Um, have the technology. (laughs) We have the... How'd the rest of it go? I was thinking Daft Punk. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Nice. Get, yeah. All right. So uh, that survey, uh, if you want to take it, it won't take you very. It won't uh, take much time. Maybe two minutes tops. Uh, just go to tinyurl. That's tinyurl.com slash galactic survey 2013. It's because we're going to survey the entire galaxy. That's why it's called galactic survey. Uh, tinyurl.com slash galactic survey 2013. And uh, maybe give us some suggestions as to where you want to see our network to go, or there's something that you don't like about us, or something that you, something that we do normally that you think is, you know, why you like us so much. Maybe we'll do more of that. So again, uh, tinyurl.com/galactic-survey2013, and we thank you in advance for uh, filling that out and letting us know what you think. So let's continue on, and we continue with. This here. Robots and Anessa has the story. <laughs> so a rabbi and a robot walk into a Hanukkah party. Oh. <laughs> hey Anessa, before you continue, move your microphone mm-hmm. a little bit closer to your mouth. Can you do that? Alright, perfect. Is that any better? Yeah, a little bit. Go ahead. How about now? Oh, perfect. That's oh, you, perfect. That's, yeah, that's whoop, whoop. exactly. That's the sweet spot right there. Oh, well, there you go. So, yeah. He said. 
There it is. See, we missed it last show. Bam, yeah. there it is now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Tuesday night, December 3rd, when Rabbi Yosef Flanger lit a 22-foot menorah in San Francisco's Union Square, he received a helping hand. A, an aluminum helping hand, that is, from Isaac the Robot. Hey, no, no, hey, hang, hang on. Before you continue, this is my impersonation of Isaac the Robot right here. All right? You guys ready for this? Okay. No, don't look you at that. You are a schmuck. No, this is, this is Isaac the Robot right here. <laughs> this, is, this is him right here. Anybody, hey. get that? Anybody get that? Come on. Come on. It's like buddy Jesus pose. No, no. That's Isaac. Well, that's, that's close, but it's Isaac the bartender from Love Boat. Oh, there you go. I was thinking Buddy Jesus. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Fingers pointing, smiling. But uh, Brad does have you, the actual you, you, picture. You came up with Buddy Christ and Isaac from the Love Boat. <laughs> it's very diverse. Yeah. Something very Christian and something incredibly 70s. <laughs> <laughs> I like Isaac. He looks cool. He looks like a, an erector set robot. Yeah, there's a, a lot going on there. Uh, very interesting. Um, love the hat and the bow tie. Yeah. Boom. Bow ties are cool. Bow ties are cool. All right, you may proceed. All right. The five foot five uh, humanoid was responsible for lighting the shamash, the helper flame used to kindle the candelabrums on or other lights on the three-ton Mama Menorah, a fixture at San Francisco's annual public Hanukkah candle lighting. And this candle lighting has been going on since 1975. Um, in doing so, Isaac, namesake of sci-fi author Isaac Asimov, ah. will bring a decidedly geeky glid to the decades-old proceedings. <clears throat> As C.P. Snow observed, uh, new ideas often emerge from the clash of cultures, said Ken Goldberg, an artist and UC Berkeley robotics professor who organized Isaac's Union Square Hanukkah appearance. Menorahs represent the past and robots represent the future. Rabbi Langer and I have a hunch that a ritual that brings them together will generate some interesting new sparks. One spark will come directly from Isaac's hand, which will be placed with an, or which was placed with an eight-inch flame for kindling one of the menorah's nine branches, and turning Isaac into the first fire-spewing Hanukkah-celebrating robot we've ever seen. <laughs> uh, created by David Calkins, a former robotics professor at San Francisco State University and current head of the Robotics Society of America, the bot runs on a Lego Mindstorm programmable robotics platform maneuvers with the help of motors and sensors, and can deliver an audible hello and thank you, thanks to a speaker in his back. After warming up the crowd with some robot-style dancing and other antics, uh, Isaac was taken up a platform to the giant mahogany and steel menorah and lifted by Calkins to the right height for lighting the shamash. After, I'm sorry, asked whether a robot candle lighter conflicts with Jewish law in any way, Langer told CNET that I think the coast is clear. I've cleared it with the rabbinical authorities, and they say, yeah, why not? Why not a robot? Robots do wondrous, miraculous things in this world. Uh, while Tuesday evenings may have held special appeal to those who like Doctor Who dreidels and Star Trek menorahs, its messages also have the potential to reach people of all backgrounds, according to Linger. 
We can ask for light and we can also give light, he said. Giving back is a way that each of us can bring down the light in our own community with the context within the context of our own lives. So What was that word that you used? Rabbinical? Rabbinical? You could totally replace that with robotical. <laughs> the uh, robotical authorities? Yes. <laughs> Say, yeah, why not? Go ahead. Did you guys notice that his pants are glowing? <laughs> I did. His, he's got like this belt. That, Whoa. You know, this, is a, got... this is the coolest, hippest rabbi that I've ever seen. <laughs> so... There, there needs to, I don't know if there needs to be more robots and religious ceremonies, but I think it would definitely drum up interest if that's what people are going for. There, there needs to be <laughs> either A, a need, there needs to be uh, a robotical society in real life, or somebody needs to make, uh, like, write a story, like a book featuring a robotical society. That's just a bunch a, of kosher robots. A bunch of, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Okay, do you guys want to see a video of this? Sure. Yes. Yeah. I would love to. Okay. So if you're not watching this... Uh... Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, you can... Oh, shoot. I'm sorry I expanded this. There we go. It, it's hard to see, uh, but over here is the the flame that is shooting out of the robot's arm. <laughs> you can totally see it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Uh, you can go back and watch this on youtube.com slash galactic netcasts, people. Sweet. That was awesome, yeah. Brad. Wait. Whoa. No, actually, the one, I, the one I picked was from 2009. This is 2000. And, okay. Oh, that's 2012. This is last year, yeah. I had a hard time finding video of the ceremony. I thought there would have been a lot. Yeah, you'd think. But this is a monumental 2013 occasion. 2013 was... Yeah, boy. You're, you're not kidding. Well, I apologize. I thought I had video of it, but I I do not. You know, not even Brad, a little bit. Brad, thank, thank God that you don't have any embarrassing bookmarks on your computer, on your, on your, on your browser, because we, we can totally see... <laughs> The, your website's there, kind mm -hmm. of. Oh, yeah. No, there's nothing, uh, nothing weird no, here. No porn sites. No, uh, no kinky, weird porn sites up there. Uh, no. Okay. Just uh. Oh, there's uh, Anessa's uh, Instagram. Hoo That gets pretty racy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, now you can send private pictures. Because they got that messaging feature really? now. Yeah, they got a messaging. I had no idea. Um, uh, they was it, it was introduced or announced and introduced today. So update. Oh well. Update. That might be why I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> update the old uh, Instagram app. I've got uh, a link to reasons my son is crying. That's a fun oh, website. That's a funny website. If you haven't checked that out, you need to check that, that out, Dave. Okay. Uh, it's okay. like I, pictures let's, let's, of this little boy in different situations, and he's like. He's crying because I wouldn't let him go drown in the lake. <laughs> okay. It's not actually it's not just the same boy, it's all Yeah, different it started children. out as the same yep. boy. Hey, we should probably be talking about They branched robots out right to now. all sorts of kids. Well, 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 I will counter with a website that you should check out. I don't know the exact URL, but it's uh, this guy, I don't know if he still does, but he used to videotape 
his wife uh, crying because he's got this wife that cries at every single movie that they watch, and and he always and he uh, videotapes her doing that, and then he asks her why she's crying. It's funny. Huh. And they, and they're right. still married, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Maybe she called to Travelocity one time and started crying on the phone. Maybe that was her. Who knows? No, I straight up ended up with some lady that was crying because, like, the flight times changed or the fare changed. And I'm like, well, we have this other flight that's at a similar time for, like, a lower price than before. And she's like, but, but I wanted that one. And then her husband got on the phone. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. It'd be funny if she listened to this. It'd be funny. All right. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Is that? Do we want, do we want to add anything to that story? Or are we we done talking about it? Or I think we're done. All right. Yeah, I just think it's really cool that they incorporated a robot into yeah. their Hanukkah yeah, celebration. I think, I think more religions should include robotics into their ceremonies. I think a world the world would be a better place if that would happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I'm a little dubious. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to take it up with the robotical, uh, what is it? Robotical society? Robotical yes. society? Uh, yeah. Rabbinical uh, society. The robotical authorities. Robotical yeah. rabbinical. There we go. Okay. All right. Uh, before we move on to space, we want to thank our sponsor of this Time Traveling Robots in Space podcast, which is the following, audible.com. And what they are are audiobooks that you take into your sensories, your sensory holes in your head. Your sensory holes? Will you smell these books, Dave? Tell me more. <laughs> you listen. You, you take in. Oh. That's why it's called audible. Audible. Do you get it? You listen with your ear balls? Yes, your ear balls. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, for you, our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the chance to check out their service and go along with the theme of this show. May we suggest The Expedition, Expedition Book One by Lauren Robinson. Now, check this out. This is a very cool concept. Astronauts Jim Parker and Michael Murphy aboard the space shuttle Charger 2 were wrapping up a routine mission. Just prior to re-entry, they encountered a mysterious cloud bank in space and were never heard from again. Uh, two, dun, years, dun, dun. Yeah, uh, two years later, a metal box was unearthed at a construction site in St. Louis. In it was a previously unknown yet apparently authentic journal of the historic Lewis and Clark expedition written by astronaut Jim Parker. Did Parker and Murphy alter history or save it? Question mark. Well, you'll just have to find out by listening to The Expedition, Expedition Book 1 on Audible. Make that your free pick or any book your free pick with your free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash galacticnetcasts. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash galacticnetcasts. And we thank Audible for their support of the time-traveling robots in space. And... Uh, we do have a uh, viewer watching watching the hangout right now, Greg Sprague. Sprague. Sorry, Greg, if I butchered your last name. Um, Hi, his, Greg. His question is: Hi, uh, Dave would get baptized by a robot? Question mark. Yeah, he would. Sure. Yeah. Why not? That'd be fun. 
All right. Ask him if he'd be circumcised by one. Uh, that would be no. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't trust. And I've already not, been not su- even with Isaac the flamethrower robot. Especially, Rabbi? especially. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on here. Giving new meaning to the words wiener roast. <laughs> All right. All right. Next. Okay. Hang on. Just Say that again. Roasting on an open fire. Okay. Repeat what you just said, Brad. Huh? Uh, I said giving new meaning to the words wiener roast. Oh, I wish I had a uh, a drum thing for that. I, I wish you had an Oscar Mayer wiener. Um, we'll just play this. Wow! 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 Woo! All right, <laughs> let's move on to space. Space. <laughs> I guess this is me too. I don't know. Um, uh, Jeff Bezos, you know the guy. Um, uh, that's he is uh, Amazon guy, right? No, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Oh, he, he, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, his Blue Origin it, space venture. Like the first. The first thing it says. Amazon. I'm like the first founder. thing. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. Hey, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's right there. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. Huh. Okay. <laughs> I'm not the the brightest bulb in the. Uh, in Christmas the, tree? The chandelier. I don't know. Uh, anyways, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos' um, Blue Origin space venture said on Tuesday, December 3rd, that it reached a key milestone in the development of its homegrown hydrogen-fueled rocket engine. Hydrogen. Uh, Blue Origin fired its BE-3 engine on November 20th for the full cycle that would be expected to... Uh, uh, expected during a suborbital space journey, including a 145-second burn at 110,000 pounds of thrust, a four-minute shutdown, and then a restart at 25,000 pounds of thrust for a minute to simulate a controlled vertical landing. Vertical landing. That's what she said? Twice. Sure. <laughs> yes. That's twice? Well, just thrust. And oh, thrust. Vertical. Vertical, thrust, yeah, I get I get yeah. what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> For more than a decade, Blue Origin has been working on a launch system known as New Shepard that could send tourists and researchers on suborbital flights to the edge of space, more than 110 kilometers at 62 miles up. The company plans to leverage that technology into an orbital launch system capable of carrying astronauts to the International Space Station sometime starting in 2018. So, man, we got a race going on. We got Blue Origin. We got SpaceX. Yeah. This is a great time yep. to be alive right now. All right. Yeah. Uh, the BE-3 engine is a key part of that strategy. It would be the first completely new engine developed in the U.S. to use liquid hydrogen in more than a decade. That's awesome. Uh, creating such an engine is difficult because it requires designing a machine that can operate at minus 423 degrees Fahrenheit. That's uh, minus 253 degrees Celsius. The temperature of liquid hydrogen and at more than 6,000 degrees Fahrenheit, 3,300 degrees Celsius. You know what? This is something that I got to learn. Freaking Celsius. I'm going to be living in Canada. Uh, <laughs> Sucker. Shut up. Uh, Enjoy the metric system. <laughs> Sucker. The engine temperature during firing. That's what I, the numbers I just said. That's the engine. Okay. Uh, but Myerson, I don't know who this Myerson guy is. 
I guess it was part of the article that was taken out that was not included in the document. Oh, yeah. There was a really big, long, detailed explanation. Okay. And I took the bulk <laughs> of it out so that way people would just, you know, so understand the broad... So, <laughs> so, so Mr. Meyerson was mentioned in the article that was not included in the document. I understand. Okay. Got it. Yes. Thank you for making it easier for me, Anessa. <laughs> um, well, it was actually a fairly long article, okay. too. Uh, Rob Meyerson is the company president okay. for Blue Origin. Okay. Um, this is really exciting. I think that's pretty much all that we need to say about it. It's just it's cutting-edge technology using liquid, liquid hydrogen. I think that the engines that SpaceX and NASA are using are still based on old technology, I think. And I think this is the first one that's really new and different, I think. Here is a picture of the engine if you are seeing the video portion of the cast. That's kick-ass, man. God. The engine was developed at Blue Origin's production center outside Seattle and tested at a facility nestled amid Bezos's owned ranch land in West Texas. God, that guy's got just have so much money. Yep. And it's demonstrated more than 160 starts and 9,100 seconds of operation. Wow, that's that's encouraging. It it sounds like it's pretty successful. The tests, at least. Yeah. Cool. But those power. temperature extremes are ridiculous. You got to have some serious, some kind of insulation, or the the metal's got to be really some some hardy stuff. Yep. The components got to be really tough in those. Kind to of, go from one extreme yeah. to, yeah. But then again, in space, that's the kind of extremes that you have in space too. You know. Yeah. So you'd think that you'd have, you know, that's good for both things. Yeah. All right. So, uh, okay, who are you rooting for in the space race? In this new space race, guys, are you going to root for Blue Origin? You going to root for SpaceX? How about I'm with team root for all of them? I'm I'm with Team Branson. Okay. Oh yeah, forgot about Branson. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go SpaceX. Are you going to go for uh, Blue Origin? There, Anessa. I'm going to go for all of them. I want them all to succeed and okay. all go to space. All right. Excellent. <laughs> Playing, playing the field, I see. <laughs> well, it's not girl. so much playing the field. I just no, no, I, I know. I would really hate to see one of them fail. Yeah, no. And I really want to see them succeed yeah. and people to have options because when you start having options and that's going to bring down the cost to actually yep. be able to venture out into space. It's just like anything. It's, it's like computers. So, it's like it's any technology. The more people, anything, period. The more comp yeah. the more people you have doing it, the lower the cost it's going to be. So yeah. Yep. So I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket. I want them all to succeed. Um, it's interesting. Uh, NASA seems to be like they have competition now, so it seems like NASA is really like upped their game a little bit. Like they're they're sending mm. they're sending out these micro satellites now, these like small little tiny satellites. I don't know if it's so much competition because, I mean, they're going to be working with yeah, these people. that's true. That's very true. So, Good like, point. their competition would be more 
international with like say China going to the moon or India going to yep. Mars because if they succeed then investors and stuff are probably going to start pouring money mm -hmm. elsewhere as well so they need to keep the attention focused on NASA all right so there you go that's our three subjects time travel robots and space hope you enjoyed that and hope you enjoy um Listening to us, we give you many options, including Stitcher Smart Radio. Um, it's a really easy, convenient way of listening to podcasts. You don't have to hook your phone up to any computer. You can, uh, you can stream our shows. You can download our shows. They've got that cool feature where it automatically downloads if you want. Uh, say you're going on a long trip car trip or something like that don't necessarily yeah i took advantage of the offline feature for stitcher when i was driving back from del rio because for about half the trip so what like four hours i don't really have reception wow that sucks so <laughs> <clears throat> yeah yeah i've got so i took I've, advantage of it i've got a pretty big chunk of my trip from here to the twin cities not a big chunk, but a big enough chunk that it's not the most reliable uh, data. So I, I tend to use that feature as well. So it comes in handy. If you have an iPhone, an Android phone, BlackBerry, um, Windows phone, they're all of they they have a an app. Stitcher has an app and all those. So what you do is go to Stitcher.com/slash/GalacticNetcasts and enter the promo code GalacticNetcast. That way. Stitcher knows that we are sending people their way. And what have you guys been listening to lately on Stitcher? More, um, more welcome. I've to been listening. More welcome to Night Vale. I'm guessing. Maybe. Yeah, well, it comes out every two weeks, and I finally caught up. So, um, I've been listening, of course, to that. I've been listening to Radio Lab. I've been listening to a lot of the Discover podcasts, like Stuff to Blow Your Mind, and. Mm -hmm things you should know yep. sort of podcasts. And then I've also been listening some to like old time radio dramas every now and then. Oh, cool. Well. I love those. Me too. I've been listening <gasps> to uh, Sherlock Holmes. I've listened to some Sherlock Holmes and I've listened to the old time radio mysteries. Okay. As yeah. well. So yeah, um, those are mainly what I've been listening to and then sprinkled in with some NPR world cafe and tiny desk concerts. I wonder the bulk if of my listening. I wonder if Stitcher has mystery theater, not mystery science theater. Um, there was a show called Mystery Theater, put on by CBS back in the 1970s, early 80s. Um, used to listen to yeah. it on our local uh, oh. AM station when I was growing up. So I wonder, I wonder if Stitcher has that. I'm not sure. It's possible. Yeah. I was kind of, well, I haven't checked lately, but I was kind of sad that they didn't have the USGS Corecast podcast that I used to listen to back in the day. I don't know if they finally picked it up or not, but. For, pe for, people, yeah, not in that, for that. people not into that subject, that sounds really, really. <laughs> I, I don't want to use the word boring. <laughs> it actually wasn't boring. Like, it was. It wasn't like a really lengthy podcast. Okay, they were, right. you okay. know, fairly short. They didn't drone on about like a ton of technical jargon. It 
was simple enough to where you could listen and kind of understand. Okay. All right. Concepts. Okay. So. All right. I don't know if they've changed. They don't analyze. I haven't listened to them in a few years, but I looked and they weren't on there, and I was kind of bummed about that. <laughs> do, 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 do they have a rock of the week? Or, or no, the min- a rock of the week. A rock of the week. And now we have schist, because that's what Steve is full of. Schist? What? Schist? <laughs> what? Schist. Schist? There's a rock called schist. You're full S-C-H-I-S-T. of You're full of schist. schist. I'm going to use that sometime. Thank you. Schist. Schist. All right, so there you go. Uh, Stitcher, thank them for their support of the time-traveling robots in space. Let's move on to uh, picks. And Brad, I'm so jealous because this is my favorite show on TV right now. What is it? I have no idea. What are we we talking about? your, Your pick. Oh my! It's my pick. Yeah. Downton Abbey. Duh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and that's the uh, the twist is uh, everybody's a robot. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> yep. I know. Surprise! I, would, I was shocked too. Oh no! My actual pick, though, speaking of robots, is the new uh, new show called Almost Human, which. Uh, has uh, Carl Urban and Carl Urban, um, excuse me, uh, has been in Dread, the uh, Dread reboot movie that really didn't get, uh, I think, the proper recognition it uh, it deserved. I hear good things about it. Um, and um, uh, Michael Ely. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing oh, his hang, name. Hang, hang on a second there, Brad. You can't skip yeah. over Star Trek. He's Bones McCoy. He's Dr. McCoy. Oh, well, yeah, he's he, he's him too. Okay. And uh and then he was he was also in uh, Chronicles of Riddick. Yep. Um and uh just a, a really really awesome show. Um and it really kind of deals with what it is to be human. And you've got these. It's a. It's sort of a proceed. Well, sort of a proceed. Well, yeah, not it, really. It, it is in a way. I mean, uh, it takes place in the future, obviously. And it, ta- it there's androids. Uh, police have android partners. You know, if you were to take, I think the best way to describe this is if you were to take some of the intensity out of the Blade Runner film. Because we do have synthetics. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what these. Uh, basic the, the basic premise. This takes place in around uh, 2048. Uh, technology has advanced so much and so quickly that the police are kind of overrun with kind of technical based crimes, and there is such a shortage of police that they've actually created these synthetic officers they are humanoid robots they've got skin they're uh well synthetic skin but they look human-esque sort of human um but they are there to to help assist and provide person power being power whatever you want to call it um to support back up uh, for for these crimes, so every human police officer has a android partner, 
and our main character, who is uh, Carl Urban, uh, who is played by Carl Urban, um, had a bad experience when one of these androids kind of cut out on him during a major firefight, and he was almost killed. And he eventually ends up with a a previous version of an android uh, run uh, called the DRNs, and the character is called Dorian, DRN. Um, and he is a more human analog. He, he looks more human than these, these MX, these newer versions that are being used. And in the process of everything that's happened to Carl Urban's character, he's lost a bit of humanity to a certain degree, and Dorian is sort of the foil to that, and together they're kind of exploring what it is to to be human. So uh, with the episode that I the, – the, the most recent episode, uh, and that was my actual pick, is uh, called Blood Brothers. It's an episode that just aired uh, this past week, and um, in it – uh, it deals with actual. God, not, it's so recent. Maybe I shouldn't give that part away. It's yeah. a murder mystery, essentially. Uh, a character, uh, a very bad, intelligent human being, is on trial for murder, and during the trial, um, one of the witnesses uh, to the murder is murdered herself, <clears throat> and. Uh, Dorian and um, John and John, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Detective John Kennex, uh have to try to solve the mystery of of what happened. And a great thing about this show is not only are there androids and robots involved, but other futuristic things. Let's just leave it at that. There's things that are possible, sort of today. But in the future, they're very possible. So that's yeah. kind of a hint as to where that episode goes. The imagination that it's really kind of required to have, like the whole, like when we talk about the witnesses, they don't actually, because they are in protective custody, they're actually holograph holographically projected into the courtroom. Yep. So they take some time to think about, okay, we're in the future, sky's the limit, we want to do this thing. How do we do it? And they take a, a logical approach to something that is scientifically fantastical, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is the best way to describe it. Uh, how do you make that seem like a, a realistic technology that, that could exist in, in 2048? My favorite part of the show is the chemistry that John and uh, Dor Dorian? Dorian. Dorian. Yeah. yeah. Have. Like that yeah. and. You didn't really mention this, but that type of android was shut down because they're... Too human. Too human. Yeah, they're um, emo not emotional. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're very emotional. They're very, they're very, like you said, too human. So he's very human-like, and he gives John so much S. <laughs> he gives him a lot of crap. Yeah, yeah. And it's because it's it's I've never seen um, not never seen, but I haven't seen that kind of chemistry in a partners in two partners, a, uh, cop partners, one being an android in a long time. It's really refreshing. Like they give each other such a hard time. It's funny as hell. 
I'm going to have to go back to the uh, Maxwell Smart Jaime days of uh, Get Smart. Yeah. Okay. For the chemistry. No, I'm totally making that up. <laughs> um, I guess there's a. I didn't know this, but Greg is mentioning. Uh, Greg's watching this right now. He's mentioning that uh, some episodes were aired out of order. I didn't know that. Did you, Did you know that? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, I didn't. I. And he says, uh, "Do you mind that Fox is airing the episode?" I didn't. I didn't know that. I couldn't tell that they were aired out of order. Are they trying to pull another Firefly? Yeah, I was just going to say, at least we didn't get the uh, Great Train Robbery episode, uh, you know, uh, two episodes in before the the, the whole cast had been actually introduced. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, this is a great show. This is my favorite new show. And to get somebody the caliber of of, uh, Carl Urban, oh my God. He, you know... I don't know if you've seen the movie Dread. Um, Dread is also a... It takes place in a post-apocalyptic Earth future. Um, and uh, the way he portrays the character, which is accurate to the comics, uh, is just wonderful. I, I highly recommend... Yeah, it's brutally violent, but so is the comic book. Not overly so, um, but it's pretty brutal. Um it's well worth the watch. It's great storytelling, and uh, his his acting in it is 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 really good. Carl Urban must be a science fiction fan because he plays he he's in a lot of science sci fi. Yeah, he is, and uh, sci fi horror and fantasy, I guess, because you've got the Lord of the Rings, you have Ghost Ship, and then you've got a bunch of sci fi. Yeah, I forgot he was in Ghost Ship. Yeah. Hmm. What character did he play in Go- the Ghost Ship? Is like one of my. He was. Um, gosh, it's been so long since I've seen it. But it was Munder. By the way, Greg is pointing out that uh, episode three was the second episode, which that's not that big of a deal. That's not too bad no. <laughs> considering the yeah. Firefly debacle. Yeah, if you put it next to something like that. So basically, I need to watch episode three and then episode two and then four sure. and five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I've only, like, Brad watched the first episode with me because I hadn't seen it before. So, yeah. I liked it. Good. Yeah. Um, I noticed... Yeah, of, I know- of a lot of the new episodes, or a lot of the new shows that are out, uh, yeah, I, I would give it, uh, give it a serious thumbs up. It's a very good show. I noticed that uh, n- not everything looks different in the future. Like, I saw a zip drive on the the latest episode that wasn't too much different than what you would use today. <laughs> it looked pretty much the same. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Right. And that is, uh, that is my pick. All right. Thank you, Brad. Uh, my pick, if you were listening to the alien invasion, if you have listened to it, if it's, if that's on your feed, uh, the latest episode of that, I picked a, an episode of space 1999, which I'm doing here as well. And uh, the episode is called Black Sun. It originally aired on November 6th, 1975. And if you're not familiar with Space 1999, basically follows uh, inhabitants of Moonbase Alpha. And uh, they have an accident on the moon that slings the moon out of the Earth's orbit, gravitational field, and flings it, hurls it through the galaxy 
at incredible speeds that they're able to visit other planets with inhabitants on it and crazy stuff happens. Um, what did you find something out there, Brax? You just hit yourself on the no, forehead. No, it was the Friday Night Lights, uh, Minka Kelly connection. Yeah. Oh, I love her. Yeah, she's awesome. We, we we go back to Friday Night Lights. Seems to everything we do seems to come back to that. Oh yeah, well it's a great show. Comeback. Great, great show. I've never seen it. Oh, I'm surprised it takes place in Texas. I experienced Friday Night Football. I don't need a TV show. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just watch, uh, watch Parenthood, and you'll you'll see every single actor that was on Friday Night Lights appear on Parenthood at one time or another. <laughs> All right. So, All right. Um, so space 1999. They're in space. They're on the moon. The moon gets hurled out of orbit, and they're fl- flying through space. And the episode that I watched was basically they were encountering an asteroid. And at the last second, the asteroid, uh, I don't know, veers off course. It was like on a collision course. Last second, veers off course, doesn't hit them. But something happens to the asteroid, it disappears. And they're like, what the hell's going on? Then all of a sudden, this black sun appears. And they never call it a black hole. It's a black sun. So uh, they send one of their Eagle spacecraft out to investigate. And uh, this pilot's like, hey, you know, I can go farther. Don't worry about me. Nothing's wrong. And all of a sudden, he's zap. He's out. He's, he disappeared. So they're like, uh, what the hell's going on? So uh, th- they're hurling towards the black sun. And they start experiencing things like power loss and drop in temperature. And just weird things start happening. Then they realize uh, that they can construct a force field that protects them from the magnetic um, co- magnetic uh, uh, effects of this black sun. So uh, all that happens, and uh, they evacuate some of the people onto one of the other spacecraft, and they get affected by the black sun, and the people on moon base Alpha gets affected by the black sun, and it turns out the black sun is actually a black hole and they hurtle across the galaxy. And it's weird, like, uh, a couple of the characters grow old, and they're, they're experiencing each other's thoughts, and they're kind of, like, figuring things out of the universe. The universe is figuring. They, they know what the universe is made of. And, like, there's a woman that talks to him at one time. It's a weird, like, kind of 2001 Space Odyssey, like, um, trippy experience in this episode but at the end they find out that they're like on the other side of the galaxy they traveled through a black hole so that that is the episode of uh, space 1999 it's called black sun and uh it's a good show um all the episodes are on hulu currently and it looks really good for a show that was filmed back in the 19 mid 1970s uh martin i may have to give that a look yeah no it's it's cool like I don't know. I, I mentioned this on uh, Alien Invasion that it's got really cool Star Trek inspired stories. You know, it's it's bigger bigger picture kind of not just shoot 'em up uh, fighting for survival stuff. You know, bigger bigger picture. You know how you know they're affected by other things in the galaxy. It, it's you just gotta watch it. Check it out. Hulu.com. It's all there. Space nineteen ninety nine. Cool. And it's got a cool, like, 1970s disco theme to it, sort of. 
sweet. All right. That leaves Inessa. What's your pick? My pick is a pick. It's a picture. Oh, a photograph. A, a photo. Photo. <laughs> yes. A pick of a pick. Um, this image is the largest photo ever taken of the night sky, and it was taken by amateur photographer, astrophotographer, Nick Reisinger, who happens to be the co-founder of Fifth Star Labs, which produced the iPhone and iPad app Sky Guide. Oh, so cool. it seems like he's into astronomy. Um, the image is a 360-degree panoramic view of the sky taken by traveling 60,000 miles by land and air across the western United States and Africa starting in March 2010. And the final image is composed of 37,000 separate photographs that took up about four terabytes of storage. Wow. That's incredible. And it's a 5K image. Um, and it's awesome. But yeah, he basically had to travel like in the United States and then, of course, go down to Africa uh, different times of year to get all the constellations. And he used a couple of different software programs to help with the processing. One of them's IRAF. Um, and then the other one, I forget what it was called, but... Yeah, um, I think he, within about a year, he finished taking all the images and then spent like the next year-ish like putting these all together because he can't just go to Photoshop and be like, here, put them all together because they're a bunch of dots. Yeah. <laughs> There's no reference points where it's like automatically going to do like your panorama. So um, I know... I don't know too much about it, but I've heard the name tossed around the office before, which is IRAF, and that actually like runs um, the the images and can actually like start putting piecing them together. And then the other one I think you use for editing, but it's uh, fairly true to color. It's you know because a lot of astro imaging, especially land based. Um, I don't know so much about like Hubble, but like land base, when you take an image of like a faint galaxy or nebula, um, usually it's multiple images. You have your base image, which is just black. And then you take multiple images of your object for various lengths of time. And then you basically stack them together and do editing where you enhance the colors and whatnot. Because when you look through the telescope, it's pretty faint and fuzzy. Yep. <laughs> and when you use the camera, it's still like you start seeing some of the color, um, but you, you know, you want more contrast. You want less of the pixelated noise and whatnot. So there's a lot of photo enhancing with images taken. I have questions. Through the telescope. I, I have at least one question. Okay. How much of the night sky is this? Like, what percentage of the night sky, the visible night sky on Earth is this? Do you know? That would be the, um, I think, pretty much the entire visible night sky. Oh, wow. Well, it because says he it, had, well, it's a 360-degree. Yeah, because, I mean, he had to go yeah. down to the southern hemisphere to see the southern constellations. Holy cow. And he had to travel to different parts of the northern hemisphere, you can pretty much do it in the United States. Because wow. um, in the United States, you can see the top, like the circumpolar region, and 
you can see like your constellations down to um, about your celestial equator-ish, and then below that, you're not going to really see any of the southern hemisphere constellations unless you start getting closer to the equator. Yeah, and so then you have to go to the other side to get the other half. So he didn't really to have to go images. to that many different places on the Earth, just northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere, basically. Um, yeah, but you also have to think that or I guess realize that not all the constellations are visible oh, at one time. And yeah. so you have to travel. Um, I think he initially started out in like Arizona and New Mexico because you've got like really dark skies out there, out west, away from highly populated East Coast people. And um, so initially that's where he started. And he was saying like the initial learning process was he had never really done astrophotography before. And he had to figure out a way to get everything set up that would not be very bulky, where he can actually travel with this on an aircraft and whatnot. And then the other thing, too, is whenever you have the equipment mounted and you have, like, your mount tracking through the night sky, there's, depending on, on the mount, I didn't notice what type of mount he used, to, used, but the vast majority you have to do is called a meridian flip. Because it reaches this point, and it can't go any further, and so you actually have to flip it around so it can keep going for the rest of the way. And um, so he ran into that issue where having to adjust for the meridian flip, having to adjust for, like, basically his coordinates so that way it tracks properly, uh, taking the different time zones and time changes into account. So he might not have taken it into account when something rises and sets. And so it was a big learning process in the beginning for him. And, yeah, it was like him and his dad traveled <laughs> wow. to various places to catch these images because he had this goal, like, I'm going to take a, an image or, like, a bunch of images in the entire night sky and I'm going to piece them together. And then he got into this and he's like, crap, this is way more than I expected it to be. But he went on with it, and he finished it, and it's a really, wow. it's an amazing image. So wow. I highly recommend giving it a look. Okay, we'll have the links in the show notes of the and podcast. I've got, uh, I've got the, I don't, can you guys see the 360? Yes. Yeah, we've been watching it ever since Anessa started talking. <laughs> okay. And and you, you can zoom in fairly far um, before it actually starts getting really pixelated. Wow. So these are like really That's good incredible. images. Oh my god! Yeah, it's amazing, and my pick is a picture. So wow. people give it a look. Good pick <clears throat> of the pick. God, I want to say this is probably one of the the more important astrological picture projects we've probably undertaken. Yeah. To to see something. I mean, I mean, we're looking at. Our galactic center here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. how how exciting is that? That's that's freaking awesome. Because yeah, it's like you can kind of see it. Like from here, you can see the center and like the constellation of Sagittarius, which I would imagine up in Wisconsin you wouldn't see as much of that, Not just because so it's already going towards. Uh, the southern hemisphere, and so yeah, to get the galactic center and the other bits of the galaxy that we're looking out at, you just got to go to different places, parts of the world, and travel in different times of the year, because certain times of the year, certain constellations aren't visible because they're up during the day, 
and a stupid son has to wash everything out. That would be some cool like wallpaper for your computer right there. I know. <laughs> wow. But yeah, it's a really awesome image. Huh. So, All right, cool. Yep. Thank you. That was a great. That's probably the best pick that we've had in a long time in that. So good job. You get the gold star tonight. Woo! <laughs> I forgot Absolutely. about gold. We we stopped doing the gold. We haven't star done thing. the gold star in a long time. I know. I know. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll have the links to all the picks in the podcast uh, with the podcast. So if you're subscribed to the podcast, you will get the picks. It's that easy. All right. Uh, so <laughs> we have one last thing to do, and that is to ask the question of the week. And Nessa, you prepped this one, right? Or was I it? did. Yeah. So you get the honors of asking the question. All right. So if you had a robot sidekick, what would its name be? And what would it do? Ooh. <laughs> Interesting. All right. I haven't thought about this. You guys answer first. All right. Well, for some reason, the name Roger popped in my head. So I would call my robot Roger, and he would try to cheer people up with high fives and robo hugs. Yes. <laughs> That's perfect. That is perfect. So what happens yeah. when hap when ha what happens when Skynet um, becomes sen sentient? Is this is Roger going to turn around and like as he's giving hugs, stabbing people? I would hope that he would remain a nice robot. Oh okay. <laughs> I hope so. Fingers crossed. He wouldn't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. He, he would be disabled with Wi-Fi, so he couldn't connect to the network. Oh, God. Uh, Brad, I guess you can go ahead and with your answer. <laughs> the great thing about my answer is Anessa looked at it and went, what? And I said, no, say it out loud. And then she lost her mind. Uh, <laughs> I, would name my, I would name my robot sidekick Percy. <laughs> wait for it. Wait for it. Beat, beat. Because then I, I could come up to people and I'd say, I'd introduce them to my robot sidekick, Percy, and I would say, would you like to touch my Percy? <laughs> it sounds dirty. It sounds very dirty. <laughs> um, and uh, what would Percy do? Uh, Percy would actually... Uh, be my pop culture sidekick. Oh. He would be like a huge library of pop culture reference and uh, we would we would talk about uh, you know, pop culture, movies, comic books, and uh, yeah, he'd just be my, my pop culture buddy. Okay. Aw. He sounds more productive than high fives and robo hugs. Yeah. No, actually I think that Roger would serve a huge purpose to help people that you know, you live a little bit longer if you can make connections with people and have contact with people. I'd, I'd see an absolute benefit to Roger. Aww. And and just because, you know, I would name mine Percy just so I could say something that was pseudo-dirty. You know. <laughs> see, anything I say now is not going to be even close to as cool as that. What, to Percy? <laughs> yeah. That's not necessarily cool. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny. Would you like to touch my Percy? I, I think you can you can beat that. 
<laughs> All right, my my robot's name is going to be Eddie. There you go. Nice. He's going to be my audio editor. <laughs> he's going to do. Oh, nice. He's going to do all my editing of the podcasts. Boom! <laughs> Time saving. Yes. I get can... my I get my hour and a half back on Sundays. <laughs> there you go. Eddie, per- the, the editor. Per- perhaps you could actually give him a guitar. He could play some stuff for you yeah too. he could do he could multi- multitask he could edit and play pearl jam songs or van halen songs <laughs> oh yeah yeah van halen yeah what, what am i thinking yeah eruption Just, constantly yeah. non-stop yeah. well a little eruption can go a long way <laughs> <laughs> so uh-huh. i said that and i gave you a little isaac too how's hey, thank, that thank you thank you that was great um i don't have the uh, drum and cymbal crash, but I do have. <laughs> All right. Oh. Do, do you mean this? Thank you. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Now we're cooking with oil or smoke. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. Actually, no, actually, I'll be leaving here in a second. All right. All right. Uh, we want your feedback. Let us know what you think of the subjects that we covered tonight here on the podcast. By the way, we miss Paul very much. I hope we Paul. Do. Hope Paul's back uh, when we return in the new year. Um, galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. Galacticnetcasts at gmail.com is the voice ma- or the uh, email. Voicemail is eight zero five three two eight thirty nine sixty six. You can also follow us on all the major social networks, Twitter, Facebook, Google+. Just search for Galactic Netcast. Uh, subscribe to the podcast via Stitcher or iTunes. If you're doing the iTunes route, please uh, give us uh, five stars and um, maybe a little something-something else. Maybe... Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Would you like to touch my Percy? <laughs> <laughs> And that's going to be it. Oh, oh, one more thing. Uh, don't forget to take the survey. Uh, tinyurl.com, Galactic Survey 2013. And we'll have that in the show notes, too. tinyurl.com slash Galactic Survey 2013. You're going to have a whole month to contemplate your answers. And when we return in the new year, we're going to be bigger, better, faster. I got a good feeling about 2014, people. I think that... Galactic Netcast is going to grow exponentially. Um, you guys are going to be doing a podcast. You're going to be podcasting together in the same house. Uh, uh, Stephanie and I will probably uh, start up the uh, Closer Encounters podcast or again, or we have an, another idea for another show about um, dystopian future. The Dystopia Cast. You know what? We could do the occasional Closer Encounter double date. Ooh. That's true. <laughs> All right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know what I'm doing there. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know about that tone, yeah. but... I know. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> or... You know, I'm going to fill out the uh, Galactic Netcast survey, okay, and I'm yeah, going to yeah. put in my suggestion. I want I want to see more Percy. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
give us <laughs> give us some feedback there, uh, there, Brad. Um, and dear listener, please uh, fill out that survey and let us know what you think. Just a way of uh, improving the network, give us, giving us ideas of what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what we could add, that kind of thing. So uh, again, tinyurl.com slash Galactic Survey 2013. And that's going to do it. For, we're, gonna, we're wrapping up the year right now. 2013 in the books. Thank you for listening all year long. I will see you in Canada. What final thoughts? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Final thoughts, guys. He doesn't care. He's going to Canada. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Robo hugs for everyone. Yay! Robo hug. I want a robo hug. Where's my my robo hug? We need to create Roger first. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Step one, create Roger. Step two, program for high fives, robo hugs. (laughs) I think think we got a uh, show title, High Fives and Robo Hugs. Woo! Nice. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Uh, Either that or you want to touch my Percy. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think that's better. I think we'll go with that one. Oh, now I feel like a jackass for stealing it from my girlfriend. Fine. We'll go with Percy. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brad, final thought. What do you got? You don't, And you don't have to do Paul. You don't have to do Paul's final thought if you don't want. You can have an original final thought. Party on, dude. Uh? All right. Let's take the... I made it singular to make it just a little bit different, but I'm finishing out the BX. Oh, I get it. Okay, got it. All right. Okay. Party on, dudes. All right. (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining us, uh, and happy holidays, everybody. Same to you and yours, Dave. Bye, guys. Yay! Bye! Adios! Leave your hailing frequencies open and scanners on full because another Galactic Netcast will be approaching your coordinates soon. For more information, go to galacticnetcasts.com.